everybody and welcome back to Aligning America. I'm your host Vincent Miller and let's get right back into things. Hope everybody's having a wonderful uh, new year and Christmas and all and, and hopefully the holidays was spent in revelry and, and happiness. But now let's return to the cold hard reality of, of the natural order. Starting with a story that is quite honestly a, a bit baffling and should not be taken as a uh, horrifying threat that that should loom over all of us, but rather just another depressing story that that does seem to remind us of the state of politics. Uh, It's the senatorial rebuke of the electoral results. This January 6th, there will be a call for the Senate and Congress to reaffirm the Electoral College's choice on president. Of course, Joe Biden won 306 to Trump. uh, And that, of course, is and now has been certified, therefore moving forward and and is now basically, for all intents and purposes, done and final. There is no changing it. There is no reorganizing. No lawsuit will save them. Nothing. It's, It's over. However, due to the legal process that is imbued in the Constitution, there need to be affirmations done by the legislative branch, being Senate and and Congress, while, you know, normally this is, again, just a performative measure, it just shows and reaffirms that the country is moving forward together, that they have accepted the president's and the results of the election and are now moving on. But, of course, this is no normal year. This was no normal election. We have no normal president. The Senate and 12 senators have now decided that they will, senators and senatorial elect members, people who are not yet in the Senate but will be at the time, these these senators and senators-elect have decided to go forth and instead of affirming and moving forward, they have decided to rebuke the Electoral College's results. They've decided to contest the election, not in any meaningful way. This is not like a lawsuit that four weeks ago we had been seeing and and those could have possibly maybe changed the results. It's nothing like that. There's no way that the 12 men in Congress that are, or rather, the 12 men in, in the Senate that are moving forward with this ploy will get anything done. There's no way. What they are doing is proving to the world that they want to stick with the populist right that is now moving forward in delusions, saying Trump will be inaugurated, Trump will be QAnon, and all that. That group of people is being pandered to by these 12 men. That's it. These 12 senators are just playing performative partisan politics. And it's an interesting situation, especially because people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, these these senators who are moving forward with this ploy and who are the ones leading the charge, have also been decrying the, the partisan effects of this election. They've also been the ones saying that there needs to be a reduction in the rhetoric. Ted Cruz was quoted. The man who's leading this charge has been quoted on the news in a, a response during an interview. He said instead of everyone accusing him of sedition, of attempting to overthrow the system, which he is by moving against precedent like this, he is very much and quite possibly acting in sedition, uh, attempting to overthrow the government. On the whole, he's asking for all of them to tone down the rhetoric. That is his only response to when they ask Ted Cruz, why are you moving against what has already been chosen? Why are you rolling a boulder up a hill just to prove a point? He's not even proving the point that he's trying to make because all he's doing is looking like a fool and this would go for both sides. We've seen this and we will talk about it a little bit later. We've seen this level of 
almost cognitive dissonance coming from elected officials who say something, they know something, they know they can't do something, but hey, I'm going to stand against it because my constituents, not not that they will be pleased, but the national politic will follow me more closely. So my partisan goals in the end may move farther down the line. That's all they're looking for. They're looking for those extra votes. They're looking for those extra donations come the next election cycle saying, I was the man. I was the woman who stood up against the man, the deep state. I was with QAnon. Vote for me. Donate to me. These ploys, which will garner absolutely no actual change, they won't actually move their movement anywhere, at least not forward, but it will get them a national spotlight. It will ensure that they have people that are talking about them. And of course, there is the argument that no press is bad press, though I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later because I would disagree. Uh, but these senators, especially people like Mr. Hawley, who are making these moves to be in the national spotlight, they are making these moves to make sure that they are on top of the news stories every day, day in, day out, because they want to be primed and ready for a run for president or Senate. Regardless, these men and women who are attempting to overthrow the government in, in the literal sense, however, they won't get anywhere, so it's not being taken as seriously. These people are dangerous, but these people are doing something that is ultimately futile, and all it does is reminds us that, yes, there are people, elected officials, who are just making the big play and show because they want to get money not only from their big donors, but they want to they rack in the cash from the smaller donors, the, the small dollar donors who are going to power them through their primaries, who are going to make sure that they stay in power for the next 20 years and nothing ever changes. Now, there are opponents to this. There are opponents in really one man, Mitt Romney, uh, he has garnered the support of some other allied centrist Republicans, but the only internal disagreement, disalignment with the Republican agenda to move forward is the incredibly, incredibly centrist faces that we all know and love. People like Lindsey Graham, people like Mitch McConnell, people like Mitt Romney, though I hate to lump them in with those two, they have all either not voiced support or voiced uh, direct opposition to. People like Mitch McConnell, people like Lindsey Graham have said nothing on the subject. They have attempted to distance themselves from this movement because it's not a good look for extended politics. It's not a good look for those who are trying to move forward and keep their position if they aren't throwing their weight entirely into this, really, this gambit, because it may not pay off, but we'll see, of course. But there are those who oppose them. There are those who hold to integrity. There are those who, who claim to hold the mantle of the George Bush Republican Party that still does exist in a lot of older voters, but it does not exist in the young Republican, new age Republican Q and on supporting Republicans. Those are two different parties, and I've said it before on this podcast, and I still do believe it that at some point in the near future, if there ever is an institution in many, many states or on a national level, if there is a ranked choice voting or a change in the voting system to have a more democratic voting system, there will be more third parties and there will be a fracturing the Republican Party because it is no longer one entity. Much like the Democrats have been for a long time, it is becoming more and more so a coalition rather than an anti-party. It is no longer the party against the Democrats. It is a party conjoining many, many disparate beliefs. And that is a difficult thing to maintain, as we've seen with the Democrats. We've seen people like Bernie Sanders and the far left 
be corralled into the Democratic supermajority, but then the minute that things aren't going their way, they split. And that isn't to, to lambast either side, really anybody here, just to point out that there are more difficulties with rallying this many people, this many people with differing views compared to one sole, at least one sole large voter group that they had to pander to. That being, of course, the white working family. That was easy for Republicans. But now as the age group tends to divide ideology, we're seeing them have to split and it's getting a little bit stranger. You have people like Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney who pander to the older voters, pander to the people who, you know, the centrists who just want things to stay the same. And then you've got people, the younger people, the younger folks who are populist or, or more so leaning towards change, but change for the conservative side those people become more radical in nature because they're asking for more. And those people need to be pandered to by more radical action, as we're seeing now with people like Hawley and Cruz, who are making these attempts to quote unquote overthrow the government, but really just to make a point, make a statement that keeps them fresh in the minds of those who want real action. They make themselves more appealing and they move themselves forward in the national discourse. This, of course, all in all, will do nothing, but just to reiterate, it's all a ploy. And as we see that it becomes emblematic of the fracturing of a Republican Party that I think could be weaker and weaker by the day. Of course, as Trump leaves, we'll have to see what sorts of actions he takes if he christens a new Trumpian candidate for 2024 or 2028, or he emboldens one of his family members to run in that stead. There could be a split in the Republican Party. We've seen the term Patriot Party floated around and the Lion Party as well, both the uh, things that I wouldn't quite give to the Trumpian wing of the, the, the American politic. But regardless, they may take that mantle and they may split the Republican Party, which we know how that ends electorally. However, we don't understand the social or legislative implications of an actual third party with a substantial base in American politics. We haven't seen that for a very, very long time. And honestly, I'm interested to see those implications. Our next story covers the $2,000 stimulus check increase from $600. Now, of course, you may know as of now that that is not happening, has not happened yet, and, and quite honestly, very well may never happen. However, there has been a an upset, is maybe the right word, because no one saw it coming. Donald Trump came out in favor of Senator Sanders' $2,000 stimulus check increase, claiming that it was important that the American people move into 2020 with hope, resolve, and change. It's just a strange pivot from how he was originally positioning himself on the issue. Uh, we knew he wanted a stimulus check increase, though we imagined he would at least attach it along with a bill for Senator McConnell or Senator Lindsey Graham to put out. However, that is not the case. Bernie Sanders came out with the $2,000 standalone bill claiming that it was something that we, you know, it was important that we pass and something that we move forward with into 2020, like Donald Trump had actually said. And he had to really corral the centrist Democrats into agreeing with him, something that was very difficult. And Nancy Pelosi, famous for being the we feed these people, quote, she did not want to feed them. She wanted to stay at 600, but was only pressured into 2000 by President-elect Joe Biden as he moved forward with that messaging, eventually coming to embrace the $2,000 checks that Senator Kamala Harris again would parrot from her campaign trail now in her vice president-elect position. These things were a little bit interesting. However, when Donald Trump came out to, to support it and to support the Democrats' bill, it, it really did throw everything into chaos. People like Lindsey 
Lindsey Graham, who famously stuck with Donald Trump on every issue, he moved forward and said in parroted endorsement of Bernie Sanders a bill. And then we, we only see the opposition come in the form of Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader for the Republicans. Again, he shot it down and moved forward with his own bill that would propose $2,000 in stimulus check, but of course came with an omnibus package of two other bills that would not be passed under any circumstance, directly antagonizing the Democrats in an effort to make sure that those $2,000 never passed. That wasn't surprising. However, the alignment of Donald Trump with the left wing was very strange to see people like Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi forced into very aggressive actions. Nancy Pelosi eventually cowarding behind the Democrats and, and, and bending to their will, essentially, which she, just to remember, was very adamant against. She called it socialism for the rich, just like Mitch McConnell. She was with him almost all the way until, of course, Donald Trump threw his support behind the Democrats and she was forced to make a stand and say, yes, of course, I want the $2,000 for the Americans. Very famously as well, in a short aside, her house was vandalized. If you do not know the story, it isn't very long, so there's not much to cover about it, but her house was vandalized with graffiti and an actual pig's head with fake blood uh, in an effort to, I suppose, intimidate her into voting for the stimulus check bills. But you have to understand that people are getting desperate. And while, of course, nobody endorses these acts of aggression, it is somewhat understandable for those who are now starving, for people who can no longer make rent, for people who are now in the you know ninth month, tenth month of the pandemic. People are, are out of money. And so when she goes on to post videos of her eating her ice cream with a fridge that costs $4,000 and ice cream that costs some $200, it's a bit out of touch. It's a bit too much like let them eat cake and you can look back on that interview very famously where she said we feed these people you don't understand what they need she is no longer feeding them in fact she's trying to take money away from them in the form of keeping stimulus below two thousand dollars at 600 or 120 it's a dangerous place for her to be and i think her leadership is calling is being called into question of course her and and miss feinstein are both in danger having very recently opposed this this increase in, in monetary value. So we perhaps may not see replacements, but combined with the fact that they are both very old, just to be blunt about it, their age is incredibly high, even for the average member of Congress or Senate. So we can see the replacements coming down the pipeline, and they have to be more progressive than they are now because it is California, and it is a bastion of progressive Democrats who would look to replace them, especially with national attention being placed on both of them in this very highlighty time, this very time of individual great man politics where these women and men are moving forward with very bold statements that do affect the lives of every American. And it's just just incredible to see how dangerous they are, uh, how close to the sun they're willing to fly just to stick to those, you know, the whims of the lobbyists, the whims of the higher class. So it's it's a dangerous spot for them to be in. But with these amalgamatory coalitions building on, you know, a, a need for a $2,000 stimulus and a pledge by Bernie Sanders to bring this 117th Congress to a vote on these bills and then the Senate as well, we could see a prolonged battle with a new Senate perhaps facing the Georgia's runoff elections, which we will cover the results of next week. We'll look at those Senate races and see whether it'll be tenable for them to push and, and push through Senate without Republican approval these stimulus checks. Though, with that said, they may not need those two because there is the possibility that more Republicans join the left wing 
in voting for those $2,000 stimulus checks and perhaps push them through past McConnell if they could get a 49 or 50-50 split with Joe Biden in office, with Vice President Kamala Harris in office. There is the possibility that they push it through regardless. So we'll have to see how it updates. We'll have to see, especially based on Georgia's runoff election, what may happen in the future. But as it looks right now, the Democrats are primed to push through a piece of legislation they've been asking for for months and would essentially give them a political victory conjoined with a new president that may make the next four years a bit more snowbally for the Democrats. They may be able to build off this victory moving forward, though, of course, that remains to be seen. And our last story today is a rather incriminating one, all things considered. Trump had a phone call uh, with Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. He wanted him to find, and this is in quotes, by the way, to find 11,780 votes in the Georgia general election. What does that mean? Well, taken on face value, of course, this is Trump asking very blatantly for Georgia's Secretary of State to essentially fabricate votes or falsify the election results, which would give Trump the electoral votes in Georgia. Of course, this may be to at least invigorate Republican voters moving into the Georgia senatorial election runoff, but it wouldn't have changed the election results. So it's a bit of a quandary, though, of course, this election recording may be from back when it may have changed things. So we have to keep that going with a grain of salt. But it, it really does feed the idea that Trump has relied on corruption to further his political ambitions. Being a recorded proof of the question, which again, this is a recorded hour-long phone call that Trump had with the Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. He had him for an hour, essentially, there to berate him and to say, you know, why haven't you been blank? Why haven't you done blank? Where he threatened legal action if this wasn't done. However, of course, Brad has now, perhaps not him specifically, but the tapes have been released and he is standing stalwart. Even in the face of Trump's Twitter mob, he retweeted him with some snark saying, the people do not know the full truth. We will see as the tapes move out, as as these things come to light. It does seem that he's going to stand firm, which is a bit scary for Donald Trump because there's a possibility. We know there are multiple, multiple, multiple events of of possibly treasonous action, possibly criminal action that Donald Trump has taken with pardons, that Donald Trump has taken with the quid pro quo back with Ukraine. These things could have been moved forward in a criminal court. His taxes have yet to be released. They're under audit. We know that Ivanka has had to testify in accordance with a possible pardon for cash scheme. So we'll see as he leaves the office there very well may be a number of illegal results that you know we 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 couldn't have seen coming or there may be a final verdict on something that we've seen for years that that finally does put him in jail or, or puts him in in some level of criminal responsibility we don't know yet but this phone call may very well be the final thing that breaks the camel's back the straw that breaks the camel's back because no it itself isn't surprising we know that he had talked with brad and we know he had lambasted brad for many days now weeks now in the public eye saying you know he he didn't do a good job as georgia secretary of state he didn't do x he didn't do y we knew that however i don't think any of us expected for there to be a tape phone recording especially with brad saying he had his lawyer there at you know at the time present for the phone call there's no reason he would have brought his lawyer had he not known what was coming honestly i think this is almost like a setup he almost set donald trump up not to say that donald trump is the victim here of course not however 
it does seem to be rather worrisome for Republicans. This is no longer something you can deny with when it came to Ukraine. It was it was quite honestly just a Rorschach test of did you like Donald Trump or did you not? It was very easy to interpret it both ways. That at least can be admitted by both sides. However, or should be at least admitted by both sides. However, this does not seem to have the same. It is much more of a watershed moment proving that Donald Trump has quite blatantly asked for a corrupt act and was seemingly threatening him like a mob boss is the correlation most are drawing, which then again calls into question previous actions. Because if this is how he acts, and we know he acts based on this recording with people that he is trying to get favors from, Lord knows what happened behind the scenes with Ukraine. Lord knows what happened behind the scenes with Comey and, and Flynn and that trial being dropped or the pardons that got that trial dropped. We don't know what happened there, and it's, it's impossible to say because nobody has the recorded tapes like we do now of this call. However, this could very well be used as legal precedent to push forward the idea that Donald Trump had the worst intentions in mind with this evidence moving forward that very well may land him in jail or at least land him with some criminal charges that may start to unravel his at the very least economic system of multiple companies multiple corporations there could be investigations into more of his family members or himself regarding more intricate tax returns or at least you know international companies that that could very well have been taking money from international agents not necessarily spies or anything nearly as nefarious as that but we saw with things like the Trump Tower, Trump Hotel in Turkey, there, there is, you know, the use and abuse by foreign officials to gain favor with Donald Trump. There is, and, and very well may be, at least one or two criminal charges followed along with that if there was a proper investigation done. So, yeah, it's a lot to unpack, and we don't have a lot of information on the story, so unfortunately I can't go much further. However, it is very, very interesting and very, very impactful, all things considered. Uh, so we'll have to see as the story unravels, but it, it is something to keep tabs on, especially moving 17 days away from President Joe Biden's. Honestly, this this is some big stuff, big news hitting the papers, and all things considered, moving forward past the Joe Biden election, this could land Donald Trump in truly historic proportions of criminality as a president and could land him in the annals of history as a horrible, horrible person. So keep tuned, stay tuned. This is This is interesting stuff. Thank you for listening through to the end. We'd really appreciate it if you check us out at Aligning America on Instagram and Twitter. And if you really enjoyed it and want more content like this, be sure to head over to our Patreon to ensure we can keep putting out episodes, changing hearts and minds one podcast at a time. Thank you.